Hey, this is Hayden from Tiger Wine. Hey, this is Stills from 888. Hi, this is Craig from The Academic. Hey, this is Sam from the Gospel Youth. Hello and hey everybody, this is Sam from Raw Feed Radio. Um, we have now a new segment called the You Laugh, You Lose News. This is a brainchild of Frank and Thomas. This is basically where the two of them, and uh, hopefully eventually any of you listeners, will submit articles for me to read. The goal is for me to read them without laughing. Now, uh, knowing Frank and Thomas, this is going to be difficult. Um, those are two very um, entertaining but disturbed men. It's one of the things I like about them, so let's see what they've dug up for me. This email Frank just sent me, and it reads, Colorado, Hunter claims he was sexually assaulted by a Sasquatch. Daryl Whitaker from Glidwood Springs in Colorado claims a Sasquatch attacked him and attempted to rape him while he was walking in the woods. The 57-year-old man was walking to his cabin on Sunday to see if it had suffered any damage during the winter. All of a sudden, a large gorilla-like creature dropped from a tree in front of him and punched him in the face. Whitaker said, quote, It was at least eight foot tall, and its punches hurt like hell. I was knocked right out on the first blow. While Mr. Whitaker was trying to recover from the attack, a lar the large humanoid creature began to tear his clothes while letting out some terrifying howls. <sighs> Whitaker went on to say, When he regained consciousness, he had already torn... 
my pants and was tearing through my underwear. I stabbed him in the shoulder with my hunting knife, and that made him run away. <laughs> Mr. Whitaker immediately reported the attack to both the Glenwood Springs Police Department and the Colorado Springs Parks and Wildlife Agency, and a joint investigation has been launched. Daryl Whitaker is convinced that the creature who attacked him was a Sasquatch, but the GSPT investigators say it's probably that the attacker is simply a particularly large and hairy man. They are currently interrogating nearby residents to see if anyone noticed an individual corresponding to the description of the suspect. According to the victim, the attacker measured around 8 foot tall and is extremely hairy. He has brown hair, dark brown eyes, and extremely large feet. If you profess, possess any information concerning the subject, Concerning the suspect, please contact the Glenwood Springs Police Department or the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Agency. All right, and we have part two of the first uh, news edition of the You Laugh, You Lose News. Uh, here we go. Uh, oh, somewhere from my neck of the woods. Longview, Texas man shocked after prostitute he booked was his own wife. 53-year-old man in Longview, Texas was taken by surprise after a prostitute he hired through a website turned out to be his own wife of the past 16 years. The man had been using the site for some months to hire prostitutes and meet them for sex in motels in neighboring areas. Last weekend, the man told his wife he was going out drinking with work colleagues, when in reality, he was traveling to a motel on the outskirts of town. Upon checking into the motel, the man used his phone to access his regular website used to book prostitutes. According to a statement he made to the authorities, he saw the prof profile of a new 27-year-old woman, quote-unquote, who caught his attention. The photo only showed the woman from her neck down, but the man said he liked her body, so he sent her a message to see if she was free later that night. She said she was, and they arranged for a liaison at the motel. Guests in adjoining rooms called the front desk to report a disturbance at around 8 p.m. after a woman arrived and found that her client was none other than her husband of the last 16 years. It emerged that the prostitute was actually the man's 43-year-old wife. She was furious to learn that her husband had been hiring sex workers, although he was equally angry to learn his wife had been freelancing as a prostitute. The couple are said to be seeking counseling for their marital difficulties. Jesus Christ. Well, there you have it, people. The You Laugh, You Lose news. Um, I think I did it relatively well, uh, but you'll have to let me know. I know I giggled and chuckled a bit. I don't know if that's a full-on laugh, uh, but tune in next time. Those were some doozies, and I'm sure they only get worse from there. Thank you for tuning in. Bye.
right, well, you're listening to Raw Feed Radio. I'm Tom. I'm Frank. I'm Travis. That's right, we got our guest here, Travis Bryant. In the flesh. In the flesh, in the home even. Yes, we are in my home. (laughs) It is a great home, man. I I like your house, I like your setup. Your dogs are spectacular. Awesome Awesome dogs. A lot of dogs. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been a while since we've last talked. Uh, I think I saw 2005 was our last. Oh yeah, you, with Travis, you were one of uh, Raw Feeds first. You've been our first multiple times. <laughs> this is our first home interview, so it's another first. Yeah, it's <laughs> always an honor. Um, I've not been able to do much stuff like this, so it's pretty cool. So uh, I think the last time we talked, did you ever get that rock and roll cross stitch Etsy going? I did not. Um, it's it's a work in, in progress. Yeah. So so the vacuum's there. Yeah. You know, it just oh yeah needs yeah yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Now you uh, at the time you mentioned you were slowly working on some new material. Uh, I can personally confirm these demos do exist, people, and they they do have some gems in there. What stage would you say these demos are in, Travis? Man, um, they're in a stage of stasis. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Um, I have a really hard time finishing music by myself it's weird when i'm the actor on all instruments and things um it's a slower slower process but uh, there's a lot of stuff that is you know anywhere from 50 to 90 percent complete i think a lot of it might just be um awaiting me to get over my completion anxiety and just let things be what they are just, just send them this way. We'll give you the green light. In fact, if we know where you live now, so we can head over here and just you crack that whip to get these things done. Someone's going to have to steal the hard drive. <laughs> you know, uh, oppression does yield the best results musically, right? Isn't that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Are you planning on any of these seeing the light of day anytime soon? Yeah. Um, and it's going to be weird. Uh, I'm really really close to finishing a song that i've only been working on for the last week or so but i really um it's just happening so quickly that i think i want to try to get that out on like a band camp page or something just to uh i guess begin the just put something out there and let it be like well or poorly received and maybe kind of use that to springboard me to get more productive on other stuff that's harder to revisit because um, it's been sitting longer and maybe I'm a little less excited about it. So yeah, the problem's going to be, and I will go on record, you're hearing me say it right now, what's going to happen is Travis will release a song. It'll generate the buzz that we all know it's going to generate, and Travis is going to be sitting here getting left and right people asking for more material. <laughs> we'll are see. you ready for this? Um, <laughs> you know there's people that are sitting here waiting for new material. That would be exciting. That would be best case scenario, I think. Now you're you're oh, obviously this kind of answers the question I'm about to answer. You're still demoing, then, right? If you're you've been recording this one for the last week, you said. Yeah, um, I'm trying to work um, at least on things moving forward. I've kind of upgraded some of my gear at home to get things as you know final as possible. There's some you know there's some songs where it's it's absolutely in need of a like live drum kit which i don't have the capacity to record well here where i'd need to step into a studio um i i have friends like i went in the studio with two of my buddies alex and donovan who played 
drums and bass in a band called This Will Destroy You. Alex works at um, John Congleton's former studio in Dallas. And I went and recorded some live drums and bass on a batch of demos that, or a batch of songs that I felt like were really close to being completed. And then I just got kind of weirded out and stopped working on those. So like that's a situation where I really just need to maybe book another session, get back in with them and finish finish the job. So what is it that uh, that kind of causes you to weird out? I mean, if, it, if it's a little too personal, you don't have to share. But like, I'm, I'm curious, like, uh, what what's that little uh, what's artist the threshold brain there? <laughs> um, yeah, self-doubt. Um, just kind of I think I always enjoyed writing music. I, I, my attraction to music, I mean, of course, like when I was young, I was like, I want to be a rock star. Everyone wants to be a rock star when they're young or has that kind of dream of doing something on that level. But when I actually started doing music, like once I got into the writing aspect of it more and kind of picked up a guitar and self-taught, it became a lot more about just expressing and creating for myself and doing something that made me feel a certain way or you know, where I, I caught a feeling and a lot of times that's all I'm looking for when I am creating and by satisfying myself on like, you know, just getting like the 50% done, uh, it's it's hard to go in and do like the, the actual hard work. Maybe I'm a little bit lazy in that sense, you know, to get in there and surgically, you know, finish finish it, make it sound great and put it out. You know, I have zero artistic ability when it comes to music, but I think I kind of see what you're saying. I might be totally off, but it's almost like you're you're so in, in into these songs for so long, and like maybe something comes up and it just doesn't mesh well with that particular song. So then you pick up and you start a, a new project, and then that one kind of falls to the wayside. Yeah, kind yeah. Of- uh, it's hard to focus. It's also um, I hear you hear so many stories of artists who like recorded a demo or something to take into a studio with a producer and the producer's like, no, that's, we got to use your demo vocal track because it's there. Like the feelings there, we won't be able to, you know, catch that lightning again. Exactly. Um, and so that, that's kind of the, the idea behind just getting nicer gear, making sure I'm doing things, getting better sounds and stuff up front so that you know anytime I go and try to like retrack all of the guitars on a song or something you've listened to the demo a certain way so long and maybe the guitars don't sound perfect but there's something that's going to be different about them and if you're attached to that element and the the demo it's going to be a little demotivating when you miss that and that and that makes complete sense like uh the, the imperfections are what make, you know, your stuff, your stuff. And for any uh, potential, you know, like young producers or gearheads out there, you, you only need one amazing channel, one good preamp, one good channel, one good mic, because uh, thanks to good old, uh, you know, Gibson and all that, we have multi-track recording, so you can layer those things. Listening to these demos, I could see you're mixing a lot of sounds. You know, there's acoustic, of course, like like you mentioned, uh, some indie, some even some electronic, just a whole bunch of different vibes on these tracks. How do you see the new material kind of evolving from your previous projects? I started, um, I mean, I'm not like super intentional going into any writing. Like usually when I, I get a moment to get in the room and write, 
I like plug everything in. I have no idea what I expect to create. And it's more so just what starts happening. Um, but I did start to notice as I was writing recently, I, I felt like there were elements that I was identifying that were important to me. I liked, uh, I liked trying to incorporate and kind of as a matter of necessity and something that I enjoyed stylistically, loopy drums, more of like a hip hop boom bop feel in the drum section. And because also because I lack the capacity to record live drums in my, uh, like in my home studio. And I'm, that's the, maybe one of the few instruments that I, I can't just hack my way around to satisfaction. Uh, I can get on the keys and eventually get something I like guitars. Okay. Um, same with bass and vocals, but drums are something that I just never was able to satisfy myself with. So there's loopy drums, lots of affected guitars. I've really been enjoying like interesting guitar tones, trying to just get off the norm of, you know, that like JCM 800 channel driving power chord as the, the meat of, you know, the rhythmic chords and, um, so like weird guitars, washed out keys, and you know, I I bought I found this little Casio keyboard at a thrift store that I've been using a lot on like a new demo, and it doesn't sound. I mean, it has nowhere near the ca- capacity and you know sound catalog of the synths and you know all of my like virtual synths, but um, it those limitations are creatively inspiring. So working with that has really helped me make forward motion and uh, vocals kind of teeter tottering between vocals that are obviously lead vocals and vocals that are more so just an instrument in the mix. I've, I've never been like a huge fan of like really forefront vocals, even though that's been the style on the records I released. I always kind of liked vocals to bury a little bit and, um, sit back with the rest of the instrumentation. Now, uh, making di- this many different kinds of songs in the demoing process with all these different aspects that you're liking, is there a temptation to just say, screw it, Here, here's, a, here's an EP, each song is different, like a different album, deal with it, this is what I made? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a funny one, because I, so I have this enormous catalog of demos, and like some of them are kind of sad dark acoustic things some of them are upbeat more electronic instrument based and so as I was starting to like when I was going to go in the studio with Alex I was kind of asking him you know like do I need to like divide this up into a few different projects like that was kind of my idea maybe release an EP of this kind of material an EP of this kind of material and then do something also just like straight up rock in the vein that would satisfy people who liked like the terminal sound uh, but I'm I'm really trying to just kind of maybe just trust myself to be a little bit diverse and that you know ultimately my writing style will kind of bridge those those sonic gaps that might feel a little bit awkward or maybe people will just be like that's cool it not every song sounds the same but there, there's a value in that they could also like hate all songs but one or something. I don't know. It could could backfire. But I like the assortedness of it. Uh, like right now, I'm going through a thing where uh, Manchester Orchestra just released their newest album, and I, I I truly like it. But 
it's so cohesive that if you if you aren't paying attention you're you like, don't know what track you're on yeah yeah you're you're running through the whole and, and it's good i mean it's gonna be I'll, I'll probably pick it up on vinyl uh, along with the new lord album whenever i wherever i can find it i can't seem to find it anywhere you can pick up a, a copy of pure heroin anywhere you can get heroin anywhere <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta know a guy but uh, i know a guy i find myself really enjoying uh like the weird ep like a uh, brand new release that uh that ep that was just like all of their demos, unfinished songs, uh, like it just you know Jesse Lacey just playing an acoustic guitar for three minutes, and I, I really enjoyed. It'll sell. The... It's got the name brand new on it, so it doesn't really yeah. matter what they do. It's kind of unfair. I mean, there's there's the brand new bias, but uh, yeah, I really I think that um, you wouldn't be. I think you would still have an audience uh, for a uh, assorted mix kind of a you know a checks mix of travis Bryant. I, i'm for that anyways because there's some days where you do want to just listen to something acoustic or something electronic that way you know hey you might skip over one track but then the next three are hitting the the right vein that you're looking for that day so yeah i think the i think the average song or music listener these days uh, i think music listening is a lot more song based than album based just because of our access point which is yeah, dogs going wild. Uh, <laughs> uh, because they agree. Um, just because you know your your portal to finding and listening to music these days is um, like Spotify or something, where you you don't have to like pop a CD in and ad- adhere to that. You can skip all over, make yourself playlists, and yeah, I think people listen to. Like also just having access, people listen to a lot, a lot of different styles of music these days. Maybe palettes are a little broader than they used to be. Um, so I, yeah, I think that it, it's a good idea. People can just like throw the song they like on a mix or the appropriate mix and ignore the rest. Or now, does it make you sad? I'm I'm old school. Where like, and I kind of enjoyed seeing this when we were just driving in your vehicle a little bit ago. Like I saw burnt CDs, man. I'm, I love digital. I love the access of just jumping on Spotify, and and picking up, you know. Oh, I feel like an '80s song, or I feel like this, or building your own playlist like that. But I miss. I know, like Thomas is the big vinyl guy, but I, I'm missing that everything's going away from like the actual hard copy of like I. I like CDs. I like having the liner notes and stuff like that. Are you kind of like a old school romantic when it comes to stuff like that, or are you just like going with the flow and digital is just fine for you? Man, I am full on listening to music pretty exclusively on Spotify. Uh, I just got a, a cassette player set up in the the studio, and have been like revisiting old tapes that my dad gave to me, like Primal Scream and all the stuff that's actually really, really good. I I'm like letting technology have its way with me, but I do. I do remember the way that we, I think we had a more special, deeper attachment to music when you had to make a choice. You know, there are like three CDs that came out this week and you can buy one and you pick that carefully and you value it because it was a decision you had to make. There were opportunity costs and um, I, yeah, I think there's like a, a special connection that's certainly lost. People are a lot more casual with the way they digest, support and maybe even attached to music these days. Yeah, it's kind of sad because, like, there's people nowadays that don't even, they, they think you're fools because you've actually bought music. You mean you actually 
You actually paid for that? <laughs> you supported the person who Old made man, it what so are you shelling out your money more? for? You can just go download that for free. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of sad for me. I remember saving lunch money and buying CDs from Blockbuster Music. I mean, and they were so expensive. Like oh, they were like 18 bucks. bucks. Yeah, yeah, they were like 18 bucks. bucks. Yeah. And then Best Buy came around and was like, "Yes." I think I think vinyl is the the final frontier there in which people are like actually like comfortable with paying for music and it's weird because maybe there's some it's more proof of our like attachment to material things because it's like this material thing that feels cool i have a a vinyl collection a small one albeit uh but yeah if i go see a band that i just absolutely love and i love their record i don't even have a vinyl player in my house currently but i'll buy their record on vinyl a to support them and b to like possess that because i know that listening to music on vinyl is a special experience and i'll i'll do that again but it's kind of it's weird i'm not going to buy a cd because it would be less convenient than just listening to the album on spotify which i pay for but yeah i think there's it's extremely problematic for artists who don't have like huge sync licensing deals for like a ford commercial or or something like that who find it hard to you know there's no return there's no at least like monetary return on their time that they invest like creating music that we're all enjoying um, that it definitely sucks yeah well i mean we we were all and it started i think when we started raw feed for us uh the more the more uh you know professionals in the industry we talked to musicians uh even like so far as like uh, some of the uh, uh cartoon and tv people we've had on this uh, it's it's hard to to make money doing creative stuff without you know like you said big sync licenses or you know someone using your stuff for something that isn't even art related, and I think that that is a it's really indicative of why a lot of bands are saying okay I don't need a label because you know like as technology progresses everything there's it's always that uh, double double edged sword that people talk about constantly it's a cliche at this point. And uh, I think uh, some big uh, some big perception changes have to happen for uh, for for musicians to be able to live off their work. Not necessarily even be like world famous. Like for me, if you can pay your bills, put a little money aside for whatever you need to do, and enjoy yourself while making music, and you're that's how you're doing it. You're a professional musician. Simple as that. I mean, like if no one ever listened to your stuff, but somehow you got a residency that pays your bills and lets you like live a happy life. You're a professional musician. So the I think a, a lot of the new guys coming on in the scene maybe um, they get the uh, the label image in their head. We got to get that label. Got to get that record deal. Sign that contract. Yeah, and uh, you know no one more than uh, like Eric from Backwards uh, in one of our previous interviews. Very very good example of someone who could, who uh, saw the industry and saw it as a business. And was able to navigate that without the help of a large corporation kind of taking their cut. And uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think you're doing what you should be doing, just creating and trying to make songs that you like. And then the I think the 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 market for it will appear in whatever way it's going to. I mean, I think we got to think we got to look at different ways to to turn the the band to to fan experience into something else, uh, whether it be personalized. Like I mean, I know. I keep name dropping bands because like I they're always on my mind. I, I like to see what each each person making music is doing it. But like when say anything was doing custom songs. Oh yeah, Max Bemis was the song yeah. shop. 
That's 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 an interesting approach. No one had to get in between that. A fan said, "Hey, I, my name's Carl. Make a song about uh, Jim Socks." Yeah, Jim Socks, and there we go. <laughs> yeah, um, p- artists are definitely having to get more creative, and I mean, I I like that stuff, but I also it also kind of seems weird and like uh, maybe this is like an ego driven comment, but there's something that feels almost wrong about like someone like Max Bemis, who I think like makes great songs of his own choosing being at the point where like maybe it was, maybe he was doing it for fun or maybe it's like, was he that hard up for cash that he was letting other people dictate like what he art he created to an extent or like the content of the art he created. And I think that's an interesting question. I'm also like, I, I get shit from all of my friends and coworkers and stuff on a regular basis for being, hypercritical of things and certainly I am and I accept that and it's it's my it's kind of like my lean that I have to counterbalance with intention um but yeah something about that bothered me a buddy of mine hit me up about doing that maybe back in like 2000 like 9 or 10 he was like hey I got this like website and we're gonna like reach out to your fans like directly and let them like commission you to make record a song for them and I kind of I definitely like just stopped the conversation because I just didn't like it um I felt like it was weird I felt like um yeah maybe I'm maybe I was being egotistical about it but I would like to make sure my heart's in whatever I'm making and that I'm not just writing music to get some money in my bank account um, even even with like you know going touching back on where we just came from like the record label experience I think that the backlash of how how that went for me was kind of what set me off on a course of not releasing music for a long time because I just remember incorporating business into music which is an essential for sustainable success uh, was really creatively Oppressive, maybe? Yeah, oppressive. It just kind of, like, took wind out of my sails. Like, it just... Suddenly, like, I used to play shows and make music because I just loved doing it, and I loved the energy and the synergy with, like, guys that I, like, respected and were, you know, coming up with great ideas, and it just kind of soured all that because this other thing became more important than those things um inevitably it was like our our focus our focus changed and maybe that was on us and our own personal accountability but it's hard not to do that for any artist who's thrown into that world of like now you've got a record label and now you owe them money and now they're you know it's it becomes on someone else's terms and like now you yeah i don't know it's like the accountability shifts away from the art and onto external factors that are less beautiful in my mind and music is is very i mean that makes perfect sense it's a very good point music's such a an emotional experience both in the in the receiving and the sending so i mean like i guess it depends on the person and if they're able to compartmentalize that i mean it's not like you're a carpenter like someone's commissioning a chair it's just a chair you know yeah you put time into it but it's just a chair but music i mean for everyone it's almost indescribable art, yeah, yeah. Which is art. that's also an interesting thing because i also you know 
moved into the world of just like working normal jobs and you know my time with music is like has been you know playing guitar with a friend or recording by myself or whatever for the last you know many years and you you know there are also days where you wake up and you think like I'm looking at my friend who plays bass for some artist that I think uh, you know I don't I, I don't perceive any value in the music but at the same time it's like he's playing music every day for a paycheck and I'm you know, doing other things that I'm maybe less passionate about. Like it, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a tricky balance, and you can lose on any front if you're not aware of the importance of compromise. So you know, it's it's a hard one to navigate. Like going back to the internet stuff and how it's it has hurt the artists in terms of uh, you know people stealing your art. But I guess the counterbalance to that would be is. People, people who are making music now, they don't need to rely on the the big labels to get their music out there. You can literally, like that song you've been working on for a week now, if it struck you just right and you're like, I'm going to upload this, you know, I could charge you know a couple bucks on, on one of the Bandcamp sites. They, it's direct. So, you know, there's no middleman in that. It's not you handing your work over to a label and the label making the packaging, the packaging going, you know, to the stores and stuff like that. It's a to B. There's no middleman in that, and that's that's kind of a good thing that the internet has actually done for artists, in my opinion. You're you're addressing the the other edge of the sword, um, <laughs> yeah. And all the gripes that any artist, and you know, especially you see like these old school artists who are used to getting like exorbitant amounts of money in their mailbox for songs that they wrote 30 years ago, bitching about having to go back on tour or something like that, and it's like. Man, I don't know. For all of these young artists who never had it that way, never got to go in and record like a several hundred thousand dollar album and just, you know, worked really hard from home to connect to, you know, to their local and regional fan base or just to put out something of quality that people now have greater access to and it took off for them. There was a barrier to entry that maybe they never would have had, um, had the opportunity for success under prior to the internet opening up so many avenues for people to access content and you can't you can't downplay that either it's yeah it's it's definitely a two-sided thing and uh, I think strong cases can be made for both arguments um, but the the big picture is that yeah we we're always gaining and losing in every you know way technology is changing our lives I like I do like the freedom though, the free because like right now because of technology you have the freedom to maybe not be involved with that typical corporate music scene, but still create and still send out uh, at your leisure and discretion. Which is like there's no one saying, hey man, I, I need like two songs by the end of next month. It's important. I need it. And then I'm gonna sit on those two songs. My okay, well, we kind of do that good. actually. We kind of pester you for songs, but it's yeah. out of an appreciation for the music. You don't have to change them in any way. We We're not going to hide it in a vault until our calendar looks right for profit. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I I had a I have a weird story. Um, I can tell. Kind of you you reminded me of it when um, what you just said about like pestering me for songs. There, you know, it's so few people these days that still contact me like social media and stuff being like hey i loved your music is there any like more stuff like i'd love to just hear more and it's always just like the hugest compliment and like you know someone telling me that the music mattered to them at some point or still in their lives 
Um, but so I, I was living in Austin and I've been working on music a lot and it's just hard having traction on my own. And I started getting emails from this weird email account and it was this person suggesting they were like this head exec or some, or, you know, maybe not head exec, maybe like a, a representative. I, I Googled them. It checked out from Interscope records and they're like, I just need to hear, like, I need, you know, we're interested in kind of expanding our songwriters roster and I'd love to hear like any unused material you have. And it went on so long because I was so skeptical and kind of just like, you're a liar. But at some point they really did appeal to the, you know, that part of me that as much as I don't want to like admit it, you know, like would really just die to be like doing, you know, for that to be what my life was like, you know, that I was like just creating and my creation was valued and like heard and acknowledged. Um, and so it ended up being this weird scam. Like uh, my friend, one of my friends, he was like, a, he's into journalism and stuff. He ended up getting in touch with Interscope Records and they were like, no, but um, you know, this has happened before. Or I don't know if they said it was like happening at, at the time, but my thought was that it had to be like one of these like people who maybe really liked my music who I just kind of had not been like, you know, like maybe I could have been a better um, person to them and like just giving them like sending them the stuff. But instead it took this person like floating me this really weird dream, uh, unrealistic thing that I kind of like knew the whole time. I was like, dude, you're getting scammed. You're getting scammed. Um, but I just did it. You. Yeah, I got catfished, <laughs> man. Catfish. And then it was just like over and it felt weird, but it also kind of broke that barrier to where then I was like, whatever, I'll I'll start like sending this stuff to people and I, I'm, I wouldn't be ready to formally release it, but maybe I should still just share it. Maybe it'll never be formally released and sharing it would be that is pretty a better thing to do. You know, like never formally releasing it. Be like, if you want to find it, find a guy who has it. Yeah. It's not my yeah. problem. Yeah. I made the song. What more do you want? I don't know why I made you that way with my voice just now, but that's how I'm going with it. You're from New no, that, York now. That, 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 oh was the, that was the way it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my thoughts were definitely in that voice. Let's go back a little bit. Let's go on the time machine here. So the band that most people have discovered your vocals on was, of course, Terminal. Uh, that was my my first uh, experience with your music. Fell in love with it. Like I said, I, I was kind of briefing you a little bit. Uh, did I even finish that story? Did you completely stop me? Wait. When you were like, don't don't talk about slow it down, save some stuff to actually record. Did I even finish that story? Yeah, I think you did. Did I? Anyways, no, I well, you know, long story short, the the album that that Terminal did release, How the Lonely Keep, uh, recently turned twelve years old. What like five weeks ago? And one of the weird things was is my my wife, who at the time was my girlfriend, was like, hey, I'm into this band Terminal. Is there a way you can get this album for me so i ended up buying it and ended up being part of our birthday gift so little small terminal tidbit and that's how i actually found out about you guys but i did get on release date or didn't i i told you i got that through tower and had the signature that probably messed up your wrist for weeks <laughs> anyways uh does it feel like it's been that long it's been 12 years it's weird i i don't know if everyone's this way but i find myself kind of disconnecting from my past a lot like, I'll just remember it. Maybe it's because my life has just kind of come in such, like, distinct, like, phases of, you know, doing one thing or another. It feels less fluid, but sometimes I'll, like, think back to time, or I'll just kind of 
you know, maybe like even like Facebook will send me like one of those weird reminder pictures where you're, you're like often like, oh, my God, please don't. Or you might just be like, oh, my gosh, I forgot how how I felt and who I was at that time in my life. And I feel so far removed from that now. And yeah, like when you brought up, you know, that you got that signed copy, it's like, oh my God, I remember being in the tooth and nail offices with this enormous stack of, you know, inserts in front of us. And they were just like, sign all of these. And we were all like, oh, okay, here we go. And it was a, it was an ordeal, but yeah, I guess, it does feel like it's been a long time and not long at all, you know, just kind of depending on like the moment and, you know, the day. Um, I feel like time just passes really, really quickly as we get older. And I'm, it's like every day I wake up at Monday and then suddenly I'm like off work on Friday and it's, it's weird. Um, I feel like time felt longer when I was younger, I think. That's probably a common feeling. Do you ever revisit that album? I know you said, you know, it feels like a lifetime ago, but it doesn't. You I, you even mentioned off off of recording that you do not even own a physical copy of the album. I don't. Um, but do you ever revisit I it? I want to get one. Yeah, I need to buy one on like eBay really cheap or, you know, find some place to do that. Um, man, so yeah, every now and then... Um, like I listened to Dark this morning to try to work out an acoustic version. Um, Amazing track. <laughs> and, you know, I every now and then I, I will, um, or, you know, someone will like play it around me, maybe just to kind of like mess with me or, you know, hopefully because they really liked it. And I'll hear it and I, I do feel really proud of it. Um, you should be. It, it was, uh, you know, it's, I don't listen to much music like that often. Like I'll get on like my nostalgia days you know, listen to a bunch of artists from like around that time, um, like listening back to like Saves the Day and the Get Up Kids and yeah. 238 and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I don't listen to music like that that much. So I don't like, it's not on like heavy rotation, but every now and then I, it's, it's sneaks cool when his I way do, into the playlist. Yeah. I think I, I went like years without listening to any of that stuff and it's cool when I hear it again. Um, it reminds me you know, even though it's like not stylistically what I would want to do now, it reminds me that like that was really cool. And there's not a reason to feel like ashamed of that because, you know, emo came and kind of went, I mean, it's still going on, but you know, it kind of like took like a public beating and backlash the same way every style of music does as it like comes in, maybe gets oversaturated and then people are all unappreciating of it, even though there's a lot of value and probably like all genres of music. Yeah, I mean, any any genre is a few situations or a few songs away from being the butt of most jokes. It's just kind of how it is. I'm going to go on re- Nobody, that is not the butt of any joke. That is an amazing album. Today, <laughs> yesterday, and when it was released. Well, the Sorry. genre as a whole. No, I, mean, I don't care. That's not even an opinion thing. That's fact. Was, Frank, any, you're going to have to get to emo night in Dallas tonight. I might have to. The only thing I've been to somewhat like that, my wife's family... They got a bunch of their cousins, all the cousins got together and went to a place in Dallas. It was called Club 80s. You ever heard of it? Studio no. Studio 80s. I never go to Dallas. I didn't. I mean, my, it was my, I did it for my wife, but it was fun. Actually, it was, it was, it was kind of cool. But uh, going back to, you know, your earlier work and, and how you said, you know, don't, don't even own a physical copy of that album. Like I would be, is I would be egotistical. I would have like a framed copy of that album pretty much in every room of my house 
not just that album, but every album you've put out. But I mean, like, I may, am I just too proud of my work? Like, and I didn't even make that, but I would definitely have that up. I think that's the right. I think that's the right way to be. I think you need to remind yourself of your accomplishments and not uh, just because like maybe the next one didn't just fall right in line or something. I think it's cool to keep reminding yourself of like what you've accomplished and remember how you did it and that maybe it took a lot of work. Maybe it was like a really painful way that it ended or something, but you like worked hard and got there and there's a value in that and not letting yourself forget what you're capable of. I need to get, I like like the poster. Did you get one of the posters when you bought it? I don't think the poster came with it. Uh, I know like some of the guys in in the band have like the poster still. And it's just kind of like the picture of us from the album and like kind of like a release promo. And I need to get one and like scan it so I can put it on my wall. I thought about that. That would be cool. I would. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, all sorts of band accoutrement, all the posters. I, I think I have like an old Thrice Barnes and Noble poster. It's like this big. Yeah, <laughs> I have a. I know I unless my mom got rid of them, I had like a a big like bin full of posters. There were like some like tour posters where like we're just kind of like the bottom name on them and stuff, but they were like cool posters that I was holding on to because eventually I thought I'd want to like frame them and like put them around on the walls, but um i don't know where those are i do i do that too i have a bunch of like i have a ton of the signed sleeves like uh i think i have almost every album you've put out physical in fact i think i have every physical album you've ever put out signed by you so that's just a little fangirl like moment a little right? art. that's rad a yeah. collage <laughs> well we were thinking about whenever i we ended up with an extra room we were gonna like set up an office for that and then have like all the the signed sleeves like like kind of looping yeah pretty much yeah, it's cool. It's a, it's kind of like a a record of your involvement also in like this time and place in music that was like very special um, matter to your life. You know, like when when I lived in Austin, my roommate would go. You can cut any of this stuff I say no, as no. well because some of it's goofy. Um, <laughs> Roll with he it. would like go thrift shopping all the time. Like one time, he comes home with this like signed Alabama picture that he found at a thrift store and it's <laughs> so in Austin, awesome huh? and, and they look so cool and it was like we've got to get that up in like the house or something but you have to think that like that probably was hanging up in someone's house who like Alabama like those songs were just like hitting them you know it was like the time those were like their dudes and you know maybe that the signing like reminded them of like the time they met and like developed like a personal connection for a minute or you know the best show they'd ever been to and like it's cool to remember all that stuff this weird our, our culture kind of drives us away from that with this like everything new all the time like there's just technologies changing things so fast and our culture is kind of followed in suit with that where like we always need the newer next and best and sometimes that's at the expense of our lives our past our history Speaking of Terminal, though, like, I believe it's been nearly, it'll be, I think, 10 years this December. You guys played a one-off show. I know you keep in contact with some of the guys. What What are the odds we might get another one-off show? We floated it, man. When I, I moved back to Fort Worth, we started jamming again, started, like, writing new stuff. Oh! And, um, <laughs> it don't, was, don't break my heart, Travis. It was so much fun. It's just hard at this point. Um, it's It was, like... It was so much fun. Like we, the guys, we all kind of hang out frequently and stuff and have good relationships. And like, we could like walk over to James's house right now, um, but he's not home. I already asked him if he was going to be home today. So maybe he could play guitar on that dark oh. thing. Um, 
but James, we, you know, we started like jamming and we kind of lost ourselves and, um, not having a good focus. It was like, we were, you know, like maybe like, back in the garage again. You, you were just playing. We were, yeah, we were just like rocking out together and like, it was so much fun, but we were kind of like lost in between like, is our goal to write new music and like record another album or is our goal to like play a show? And we weren't, we were kind of like splitting our momentum between both of those things. And it ended in a little bit of a stalemate where we just kind of just, you know, stopped getting together. You know, it was like, uh, you know, we just kind of lost it a little bit where I think, um, the I, momentum. Think I think it's possible. Yeah. Um, it's possible. It's hard for me. It was hard for me when I was 18 to sing those songs vocally. Um, it's like very straining and stressful. And so it's hard. Um, everyone's still like a lot of the, all of the guys except Matt and I have another band called Silver Tongue that they just released a, a, a good song. Um, you sh- everyone should check that out. Um, with our friend Kyle on vocals, who had been in a band called uh, Bell Epoch, I think is the right way to say the Epoch. Um, and, you know, it was like doing something that was maybe more in line with like what those guys like stylistically wanted to do. It was also also like the weirdest thing to come together. And we knew we were going to like write terminal stuff. But in trying to write new music, it was weird. It was like, are we trying to satisfy all of our creative tastes that have grown in so many different directions? Or are we trying to write something that's just, you know, sounds like... That would have been written 12 part, years part, ago. Yeah, part two of that terminal record. And it was, you know, there was a challenge in that that um, we just didn't, like, navigate those, um, like, those, those, like, fundamental issues that I think if we just, like, discussed and committed to directions, we could have probably gone gotten something done be it like new music or the show but i wouldn't rule it out it would be fun to do i think if we do do it we want to play just like a really small club and you know not make like a huge to do about it but just like make it kind of an invitation for like all of our friends and people who like cared about that um at that special time to get together and just like have a fun night like reminiscing and then like jamming those songs loud as hell it would be cool don't forget about us if that happens. I'll give you my address. I'll stand we, by the mailbox. We don't, yeah, e- we don't even need to be like there in a professional capacity. I, I like my favorite fan to to musician experience would be like literally just like let me sit over in the corner Fly on the, the couch wall. during a house show and just jam away, guys. I'm gonna. It would be cool if you guys could get all of us to talk about the terminal story. It'd be funny to have like kind of a behind the music because <laughs> yeah. you've only ever gotten my take and. Um, it was definitely a tumultuous ending. Um, yeah, there was just a lot that fizzled out weird. And there was definitely a lot about that on the internet at the time and stuff. And it was, um, it was a, a hot mess. The thing about those internet comments about band, uh, you know, issues and dramas is they just, they're just so sure that they know exactly how it went down. It's like... I, I can't high, high tell school, you exactly high school how it girls down. just run, you know, <laughs> yeah. rumors and stuff like that. I had, yeah. a, I had an argument with my girlfriend this morning. I could not tell you how exactly it went down, and it happened like two hours ago. <laughs> it, yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. I, I remember like the absolute punk forums, and like, oh, I would just log. I mean, logging into those was like the death of our band to begin with because people are just 
really sometimes yeah just really heartless when it comes to critiquing work and i mean i'm just as critical as anyone um but it it was definitely you know as like an 18 19 year old kid and you like make this thing that you felt like was like the best possible thing you could have done and you hear people just kind of like meh and it's like (sighs) you know you just have this like gasp of horror that like oh my god like you went to the wrong forums man (laughs) that's a lack of accountability too like it's easy to be the internet tough guy though the theme of the show is double-edged swords (laughs) that that anonymous that's one hell of a sword right there yeah you were on the wrong forums man yeah, yeah, there's there are a lot of people that said nice stuff, but it's weird like you hear the nice stuff and like Like that, no, no, but this guy right here said this. Yeah, the the nice stuff agrees with you and then like the harsh stuff which you have to take constructively and not personally. Um it can just like, eat a hole in you. You can end up like Kanye West who is just the most massively successful artist who spends you know 24 hours up all night arguing with like trolls on Twitter like taking personally the fact that they like don't like him or his music having no you know like knowledge of him as a person it's it's like there's a right and wrong way to handle all of that fans definitely created the current version of kanye west <laughs> like his current iteration maybe not i don't even know where he's form, at nowadays i don't even know where he's at he's, now it's been a while he's like a master he's, level narcissist he's in a french restaurant did that life of pablo ever have a physical release yeah yeah did it yeah, I think so. It did. Okay, it may have not. Now that I think about it, a guy when I was in school, somebody might have just m- was like, "Ah, I got the life of Pablo." You, I mean, he had on a CD. I didn't see the other side. It may bootleg. have been burnt. <laughs> it may have been bootleg. It's. I mean, it's kind of an exhausted subject, but I. I think he's such a talented dude. I didn't know much about him. I wasn't really into rap when he was doing. You know what I felt like it was his best work, but. I remember watching a video of him just like sitting down with like an MPC and like, you know, hammering out this beat on the pads and it was epic. It was like as cool as you could and talented as you could expect a producer to be and knowing he was behind so many really huge hits and stuff like he he was a a sampling genius and, you know, I think he deserves a lot of credit, like his personality aside. Um, I understand anyone's qualms with that. He's a talented dude. I don't know. I'm, I, I, mean, I would not, agree. I'm not anti-Kanye. I will be the first to make fun of him, but I, yeah, I, he's mean, I, I know the words to most of 808 and Heartbreaks. I know, I mean, like... I thought Life of Pablo was a solid album, too. Yeah, I even thought, Life of what Pablo, was the one he did before Life of Pablo? That, like, I know you're tired. He did the, like, SNL performance. It was, like, really... It was, like, kind of like a Death Grips ripoff. He was, like, trying to go really hardcore and... um I, I, I didn't like that. I liked. I thought he was really cool when he was like sampling and just like hitting the pads and doing like that old school hip hop thing that was the the magic and essence to me. Speaking of talented producers, this actually is a completely random topic. But did you did you ever check out the Defiant ones or the one that's on the is it on Netflix? The one with about Dr. Dre and oh, Ivy. I've been, I've been oh, watching that. I haven't oh, yet. you have watched it. I've been wanting to. I Give saw, yourself I the five and a half hours of your life that you. Like, cause you start the first one, you're like, okay, next. I think I finished at 2 a.m. I had work at seven, so it's. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, make sure you have about five and a half hours to dedicate to that. It's really good. Oh, by the way, I saw that 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 uh, Netflix trailer you shared yesterday. That it the ball hairs so don't match. It looks so good, and I started watching it, and like hadn't read like the 
the caption on it that it's like it's a spoof a, a thing with like funny or die um and i was just like this is so amazing and awesome i like hope this is real um but even if it's not yeah i'm, I'm what was all it called the something of american vandal vandal yeah so check that out on netflix it I looks think it's in so september. good yeah september 15th i think mark your calendars mark your calendars we'll all be there <laughs> we'll find out we'll, we'll find drew. out who drew the dicks the we'll, dicks. we'll be getting together again to uh live commentary it'll american be like a, vandal. Uh, a book club we'll come back we'll meet every after every episode it's and, a uh, phallic discuss. conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> So not to change gears completely in the other direction. <laughs> so this has got to be about penis. No, it's yeah. not. It's not actually. And it, I feel sad that I'm actually steering it away from that. But um, so like I'd mentioned that my uh, first taste of your music was through Terminal. Thomas's was. Yeah, it was a live and wild paint. Um, a vespertine haunting was literally the first song. I think. I yeah, I was. Like, I think. I, was that? In, I was, was that showering too. If that makes oh, no, it any more special, when... I put it on my phone and I hopped in the shower and I was like, I yeah, probably told you to just listen to this. the way I intended it. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, soothe me while I scrub my hair. So anyway, speaking of uh, live and wild paint, so it's been roughly ten years uh, since you played uh, with that band, Live and Wild Paint. Ceilings, amazing album. Uh, in fact, I brought a copy here that you signed the only copy i didn't have signed i don't think i ever found a definitive answer of what exactly happened with alive and wild paint i think in fact you're still on is it equal visions website as an inactive artist on the website what what happened man that is a that's a sad story um so i joined a band in arizona called goodbye tomorrow that i'd been a fan of um i thought their singer was just like amazing i heard like one of their demos called like time restraints on it must have been like mp3.com or something. And I was just like, God, that guy's voice is like the best. And he and I would like chat online a lot. So I was very aware of their band. And then when all the guys quit Terminal, I, I took Terminal on the road to do like more touring um, with like some some friends filling in on the other instruments. And um, they like, con- the band contacted me before the show and we're like, hey, we want to come out and like hang out. And I was like, absolutely. I'd love to meet you guys. And they showed me this new music they were working on there. I guess that they had just had like a, I don't really know how it happened with, with Matt and them. And so I won't like pretend to, but I think he, I, I hope that he had quit and they were looking for another singer and it was just musically like a dream. It would, you know, I was just like, that would be a dream to like, be a part of that because they were just so good and so i like flew out and auditioned started you know we started we released goodbye tomorrow ep they they had already been in talks with equal vision and had demoed with mark trombino who produced like jimmy world and all sorts of awesome stuff he did clarity and bleed american just two good ones so good um so good (laughs) and so um i auditioned they told me they wanted me to do it i moved out there we played a showcase in las vegas for equal vision and they were on board with me and the band and we began writing and maybe doomed from the start um you know we we had a deal to work with mark trombino and he was cutting somewhat of a deal that made him accessible to us but um and this will get a little gossipy, a little juicy, but uh, he was very expensive. Um, a producer for 
a label like Equal Vision or like Tooth and Nail, you know, to to go in on someone's first album. We had to deal with him to produce, mix, and produce, engineer, and mix our record. And that experience didn't go very well. Um, it was not. Um, it wasn't like what we thought it was going to be. And I think Mark was in a really tough spot in his life and we were kind of inexperienced and maybe just the perfect storm. Um, I, I think the album's, you know, I'm proud of it, but it just, the process didn't go down like we thought. So we ended up leaving LA with an unfinished record. We didn't like Mark's mixes. Um, the label understood that. So we'd already spent like a ton of money on this dude. Now we have to spend another $10,000 to have uh, Michael Barbiero mix our album, who, I mean, which that was like another dream unfolding. He had mixed like Counting Crows, Guns N' Roses, I think like Metallica. He's just such a talented dude. And working with him was really cool, even though it was all remote. We never got to like go in the studio with him. He would just like send us the mix with like this really thoughtful, you know, little tidbit on you know what he felt about the song what he felt about you know what it evoked in him like there's one that he sent us back being like I feel like this song my wife and I feel like this song sounds like super tramp or something and we were like what but it was really cool you know he was relating to music that was maybe you know it'd be like us relating to something that came out now that's just so stylistically weird for us but anyway so a lot of money in up front a lot of touring before the album even got released because we, you know, had those hiccups and we were having like management shakeups and stuff. Just having a hard time getting all of the pieces together, which all of them are really important, you know, and bands, you know, when it happens, it's usually not just like this random miracle in the universe. There are a lot of like people, you know, working really hard and maybe like even some luck that the right people get put together to pursue a vision and so by the time our record came out we had we were like touring in this really rickety old like 80s 15 passenger van with like no interiors all like metal it was just like we were in a hard spot making no money on tour with this amazing band called the new frontiers who are from uh dallas um alex the guy uh, who has helped me do some stuff in the studio, played drums in that band as well. Everyone should listen to them if you didn't. They're on Militia Group, really cool kind of alt-country band. But we were on tour with them, making like no money, pretty small shows, um, and our records finally comes out. And we were at a point where, you know, we were so indebted to the record label, and um, we were like, you know, like, can we get some tour support or can we get some money for a new van? And they were like, you know, it kind of felt like they started like screening our calls. <laughs> we were just like, I, and I think I understand now better than then. I was kind of like, well, I'm giving my life to this. So, you know, we need, they should be meeting us there. But I think it was just a situation where they were just out of money and like something needed to happen. You know, we needed to do something for ourselves. And it was in the middle of that or, you know, before that tour with New Frontiers that I had like got like my first real girlfriend and like, you know, real love and was you know experiencing that very compelling you know you stop the world for it feeling for the first time and so I made the decision after that tour that I was going to go to Austin and be with that person and 
you know, I told the guy, you know, the, the guys were very upset with me, I think. Our record had just come out, and I just kind of told them, you know, if we get a really good tour offer, you know, like I will fly out and rehearse and be on the road with you guys. But, you know, I'm just kind of like tired of being poor and living in a van and like really kind of, uh, it, that's a lousy attitude. There are so many people who work so hard for so long and never even get like the opportunities we were afforded. But yeah, I just kind of told them we don't have to like break up, but I'm going to go live somewhere else and we can like get together and do this if it makes sense. But otherwise I just, I'm going to like grab a job and kind of explore other facets of my life that maybe I can't fully explore when I'm pursuing this the way I have been for, you know, a lot of years now. And you got to be careful with that, uh, um, you know, comparing one's uh, own hardships to others. Because, like, I mean, to quote arguably the worst Star Wars movie. Uh, Rogue first, One? Are we going Rogue One? Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if it's relevant. We'll talk about that. But, uh, no, the Phantom Menace, uh, there's always a bigger fish. Man, there's always someone who, like, there's always a guy who's been playing guitar since he was three and touring since he was five and never got anywhere. I mean, like, it's all in the individual's uh, experience. And regardless of what you had in front of you, it, you weren't happy. Yeah. Um, about the 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 bigger fish thing, I think that comparative reality is, like, always a recipe for trouble. Because, you know, somebody's always, like, gotten further doing less than you. Somebody's always struggled harder and yeah I think it's always it always comes down to like your personal assessment of like are you happy and I wasn't unhappy in that situation because I felt like I deserved something different it was just kind of where I was and it it, it's hard because you know there are other people who are sacrificing so much like all the other guys in that band were just the most amazing dudes and they're still you know like fighting for it and I kind of threw in the towel it's a bad that that's a bad feeling that you know like you know I always look back at that with like some sense of maybe not regret because I, I think I did what what I did but you know maybe I could have like given more to them before I, I did that or I don't I don't know well you guys did make a beautiful album that is an Thank amazing you. album so it's uh, sorry that oh, the whole uh, beautiful album springing forth from a you know a turmoil uh, that's very Fleetwood Mac, very rumors, which is like, yeah, oh, it wasn't man. long before I was gonna sneak Fleetwood Mac into this. They're story like, there, <laughs> the, what, oh, a, yeah. what a sto- what a good story to all of that. Fleetwood that would be Mac thing. It'd be an excellent movie or like mini series or something. Not even about the but like a literally like just make up a fake band and they just go through the same through the same Fleetwood process. I think that would so be amazing. Years story. after these projects, people still eagerly await new new music from you, new projects. You know, and associated with their love of your past projects and your talent and music. Now, you know, how does that make you feel with the, the your projects have resonated with these fans that, like I said, you know, after 10, 12 years, I mean, they still, like I, like I said, I guarantee once you put, give them a nibble out there that you're making music again, I have a feeling it'll be a feeding frenzy with a lot of people that have been waiting for these, these songs. Yeah, uh, man, that's a... That's like, I kind of hope that that is the re, I hope that's the reality, whether or not it is, you know, I know things change and I, I had a long period in which I think I could have released music and had a lot more ears to 
still there, you know, a lot of people, you know, they're grown up families, it just music's less, maybe like less important or like bands, and like following bands is less important. Like, you know, maybe there would have been more people there to find it versus now, you know, they, they're focused on other aspects of their life and just kind of like listening to what gets put in front of them. But, you know, I hope when I release music, there will be some people still excited to hear it. Um, you know, maybe it'll meet them at the right time in their life again. That would be really cool. Um, I think the challenge for me is just actually finishing music. Which, uh, however, we can help motivate. Um, you'll be, you'll I'll get bug you, Travis. Constant, genuine <laughs> support from from our end. Uh, not gonna ask, because you got me thinking now about other. Because like when I think about hearing new music from you and how others must feel who have been a fan even longer than myself or even longer than Frank. Uh, what what bands or artists that aren't working anymore? That are, what are you just, like? If you could pick one artist who isn't working, who isn't making music anymore. At like, what artist would you pick to be like, all right, release a, an album? Because I got mine in mind. Oh my gosh, that's such a hard question to spring on me. I listen to stuff all over the place now. If I had to go, I'd say Jeff Mangum for me. I know I'll never oh, get yeah, in the airplane so over the sea again, but I want to see what comes after. Whatever you got would be awesome. I trust that with him. Um, it's it's weird. I I guess similar to the way other people don't follow artists as closely these days, I think. Um, maybe I'm the same. There's, like, I have, like, this nostalgia factor for, like, certain bands. Um, I don't know what they would write, but, like, I think Poison the Well was, like, one of my favorite hardcore bands. I, I think they were, like, like, maybe the best to me. Um, it would be cool to hear what they did, because I think even up until their last album, they were continually progressing and making just awesome music like what a talented bunch of dudes who kind of transcended the hardcore thing and like proved that they just had like like if you go and listen to like some of their later stuff like after like you come before you like the chord progressions and melodies and stuff are really unique really special i think that would be cool i, I don't know if i would answer that question differently with or, or the same with more time to think about it because i love so many like old bands but i i think like oh an old band get together and make music it might be weird something i think is uh, a song that i heard from an old band that i don't know how i ended up hearing it but the monkeys released an album maybe like last year what and there was a song like they're still like they, I think they've released one since when I went to like check are on Spotify. Still, are they still all alive? One of them yeah. passed, I thought, right? I think the majority are alive. I, I don't know. I, I never the followed crew them is like, mostly dead, closely but... or anything. But dude, they they had a song called "Me and Magdalena" that was on their album they released. I want to say last year, maybe like 2016. That I, I found out, like I heard it, and I was just you know jaw dropped. It was just the most beautiful song. And I found out that Ben Gibbard from um, Death Cap for Cutie actually wrote it. I was like looking for a live video of them playing it on YouTube when I was like, you know, delving into the far corners. And they brought him out and they're like, here's the guy who wrote the song. And he like played it with him. But um, that's like a perfect example. And I, I guess they didn't write the song, but their recording of the song is flawless. And the emotion of like the singer and everyone like performing it is 
it's it's beautiful it's as as good as anything that like young bands are putting out i would say that does kind of segue who well i wasn't even thinking of it until you brought up ben gibbard but that'd be one of mine i'd love to see the postal service oh something yeah else. i would love especially with so mo- much more minor like newer music. bands though like i would you know i was amped to see the acceptance get back together again i loved acceptance i don't know if you ever had a chance to hear phantoms that was an amazing album um, the forecast that would be another good one loved acceptance phantoms and i i've like dabbled in that new record i kind of like started a few of the tracks and it didn't really resonate with me but i forgot to say the like my i mean a lot of people who listen to terminal could tell but like i was i think the most important band for me in that time of my life when maybe music was the most important was recover band out of austin that i think their ep and even the songs on their album uh following after were just like the best i just think they were like the best like kind of emo rock band and should have you know they're they're another example of you know like they signed to a major label and recorded with like the wrong producer made the wrong record and then they like completely just like rock and roll like scrapped it and had like andy wallace mix like basically their demos and um the songs were still fantastic but it just sonically may not have been enough to grip like people who are used to like new recordings and stuff um but i I think they like get together and play like shows in austin like regularly enough i feel like it's like at least once a year like maybe when they all like go home for a wedding or something they'll like just play like a, a random show and it's always like a great time and um it would be cool to see them really do something else i think they're all on to other things now but it would be really cool to see them really do like another recover record because i think that um that band just had something you know that magic synergy that just doesn't happen often at all yeah on that same note i think let's see i'd love to see and i think there's uh rumors of it happening is i'd love to see the original members of smashing pumpkins get back together Ooh, yeah. and yes. that's they're in talks I, I believe to do something so i mean but you never know with billy corgan you never know so they, I, that would be daydream performed the right way live would be just insane gish was such a cool album they're the i mean they're like definitely maybe if not like number one they're like top five rock bands of all time ever for me and i didn't like anything I didn't love anything beyond like a door. And then like one of my friends posted a song from like Machina that was like awesome. And I was like, Oh, which song? Uh, stand inside your love is such a, yep. just like smashing pumpkins power jam. But I even like went back the other day and like, I had kind of skimmed the more recent pumpkins releases with like all the unoriginal members. And there's still some really good stuff in there. Like it, definitely wasn't anything that moved me the way that like Siamese Dream Melancholy did but um, it would be really cool because like Melancholy was when they first really collaborated as like a, a band and it was more than just like Corgan you know m- you know manning all positions and um, I feel like that was that is just like one of the enduring masterpieces of my lifetime it would be really cool to see if they could like get something of that back i don't know well that's that's rumors that they're gonna get back together again i don't know if just for shows or for what just those first notes from mayonnaise 
Like Berlin. Uh, yeah, the best. I have that. That was one of my. Uh, I think that might have been my. Uh, I think Adore is my fourth vinyl purchase, and then right after that, I bought Siamese Dream, and I never looked back. I <laughs> I keep almost buying like one of those like really expensive re-releases of Siamese Dream or Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, and I just remember I'm like, you don't have a vinyl player, like maybe you don't need to drop like 50 bucks on vinyl you know um, what's funny frank has a record player but no, no vinyls <laughs> so if you, i wasn't married and you'd have a girlfriend we'd be good roommates here because i could supply the record player you <laughs> might need to steal my collection man just <laughs> sneak it out the door you've kind of touched on it when we were first starting to talk now looking back like what led you to music growing up aside from you just being a rock star was there any was there family ties to music or was it literally just the bands that you grew up listening to that just led you to that direction? How uh, how I got into music. Um... <laughs> That's what happens, kids. Get into music, you start drinking the alcohol. Daddy likes his beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, how I got into music, um, I, I don't really remember. I know my parents didn't impart the classics on me which i maybe they did and i was just like too young but when i was really young they let they let us listen they let us get into music though which is maybe how this happened i remember just losing my mind over mc hammer and i had like this tape of lee greenwood god bless the usa that i would just you know play one side flip it over play it again just going so hard on these tapes and then uh, I remember by like third grade or something like my brother and I like my mom would like buy us like the hit parader magazines and like we were massively into Green Day and the Offspring and like and just the general alternative rock radio scene at that time and I remember getting a like a one of those handheld voice recorders with the mini cassettes from my neighbor I must have traded him something crazy for it and I just started kind of like singing into it. And I think I was trying to sound like Marilyn Manson or something, just singing these like dark melodies. Like I just had melodies and words in my head. And so it kind of started there. And then I got into skateboarding and suppressed music a little bit. I listened to more like rap and, and whatnot. And then when I got in high school, I met these guys that actually played music and like played instruments. And we, I went to a, a birthday party and they like jammed at one of the guy's birthday parties and I was I was like let me get in on that I don't know how to play anything but maybe I can try to sing and I went over to one of the guys Sky's house to spend the night and he had a four track cassette recorder and I did vocals over Deftones board and he went to school and was just telling everyone like Travis has got sick vocals and so then these other guys approach me who are the guys who are really good at music. And it was the drummer and guitar player that would eventually be in Terminal. Like we started the Letter 12 whole saga together. I started jamming with them and my mom was really supportive and like bought me some really cheap PA gear for like my birthday or Christmas or something. And I was just, you know, rapping or singing or yelling with them and it was kind of watching what Matt the guitarist was doing and then eventually started 
being like, hey, can I take your guitar home after practice? And I'll bring it back, you know, Thursday or whatever when we get together again. And just trying to start writing. And I did. And that was kind of where I really fell in love was when I started being able to, you know, come up with chord progressions and melodies and like control a little more of like the songwriting um, output. That was that was kind of it. I was hook, line, and sinker. I love that uh, um, the, uh, the the guitar is is what like it's like a, there's like this little I don't know if you I, mean, I imagine you were self taught. Did you take lessons or very much self taught? I'm still pretty probably by all accounts awful at playing any instrument that I do play, but I I just suffice in the studio or I played guitar a little bit live in Alive and Wild Paint. See, that's, uh, I mean, I love that about the guitar, is that this, like, you can find it, and you can go on this, like, little personal journey with it. Like, I mean, I, I learned to play guitar because I, I got one, like, I, like everyone in my family plays. I got a guitar for Christmas, like, a fine, I had, a, like, an acoustic guitar, and I sat in a freezing cold room all winter break and learning chords, because I'd found up in, a, previous owners of the house, up in the closet, they had this book with hand-drawn chord diagrams. Uh-huh. It was, like... It, it was like finding a, you know, it was treasure like, map. Yeah, like a treasure. It was very Goonies, very solo. I, I, I was, yeah, I throw on some something on the TV, turned it down low so I'd have something to like get me in that, that because they, they say that like wave state of uh, interested, not interested, so you can just react. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's key. I mean, I feel like I never, um, I never. I always, you know, if there's like music in another room, that's when I'll start hearing melodies and stuff, you know, when you just hear this kind of like hum of like chords or something and you, yeah, man, that I relate to that so much. Now, it's funny that you mentioned it that when you were talking about The Rock, uh, when you said like um, Offspring and Green Day, that literally, uh, Dookie and Smash were literally my transition from rap to rock. They it's kind of funny you mentioned that. Smash is such a good album. Like, Offspring got so goofy later in their career, which I understand the cash grab. I'd like to think that that was fully just a cash grab, you know, making all the pretty fly for a white guy and stuff. But, I mean, that was a smart decision then. But if you listen, like, Smash's voice is so good, and it's pre-auto-tune, pre-all of these studio tricks to make musicians sound the way that, like, they just did back then those guys were just such good players and creative and punk rock and it was awesome yeah smash and ixnay to this day are some of my favorite albums of all time the guy's a genius too he's like One, super was smart it, is it dexter is right did he yeah. have a phd in something a bio bio uh, engineering or something like that bio like uh my, my brother I, I get together with my brother and um we like hang out and one of his friends friends um has lives in like huntington beach or wherever and does like a hot sauce company with dexter too i think he's just kind of doing all sorts of things well and i tried it i'm a big hot sauce connoisseur and it was pretty badass what's your top hot sauce my top hot sauce is el yucateco they have it it's in a lot more grocery stores these days but um, there's like a little tortilleria down the street that has it, but they have like a few different variations and it's very hot and not as vinegary as like Tabasco and a lot of other ones. It's 
so good for anything. Try that. The vi- oh man, the vinegar the turns me off. Um, um, uh, El Yucateco, go okay. go in on. I'm it. not even gonna say what my I, my go to. You're gonna like it's the great value of hot sauces, but I love it. it is I. I I could put tapatio on anything. I love solid. Yeah, I'll, I'm down for it's it. It's the common man's hot sauce. There's nothing. Well, there's I, nothing I picked wrong it up with when it. I worked for Mercedes. We had a bunch of guys who would like buy a bag of Doritos and pop that thing open and split it and just put tapatio on. It's like Damn I don't know awesome. what it does. Now the tapatio flavored Doritos are awful, but if you put them on the nacho cheese, just if you ever get bored and poor, that's where it happens. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> See, what I want to know is. I like I like a good cream based hot sauce too. Sometimes, uh, where the tor the Torchies Diablo sauce. I want something comparative to Torchies Diablo. How do I? Where am I going for that? Man, my my favorite hot sauce, um, or like you know, I don't know what you even call it, but it's that cr- kind of creamy green stuff that's really spicy, oh, and yeah. I've learned how to make it a little bit. Um, it's like it's what you encounter at true taquerias. And it's, I remember asking like our waitress when we had one that spoke like pretty decent English, you know, like, what's in this? And she was like, jalapenos. And I was like, no, you're not going to help me. And then <laughs> I stumbled, a, I, I stumbled upon some recipes online and truly it's jalapenos, tiny bit of salt, like maybe onion if you want to. Um, but it's really just ground up jalapenos and it's so good and it gets creamy, a little bit of oil or something to kind of like make a base, but that's where it's at. One of my goals in life is to be able to make good Spanish rice. I don't know how to do you know how to make Spanish rice. That is, I, I don't know how we got on a Mexican food Frank, and stuff like that, but I love. You're speaking red my rice. heart. I might actually have your back on this one. Uh, it's a pressure cooker situation. I think that's that why it it's is? difficult. The, yeah. Yeah. I I try to steer clear of rice. It's a difficult one. We do we do have a rice maker though in the house, and my girlfriend has had some pretty good success with it turned out well uh, i think we've only done it once though this isn't be an interesting transition here <laughs> so the years of touring and many shows you've attended over the years if you had to pin it down to the best performance live performance you've ever seen who would it be like best band i've seen live um I know mine, but I guarantee it pales in comparison to what you've seen. You'll have to maybe edit out some silence as I like think slowly think. Um, Thomas, what's yours? Oh man! Um, last year, I uh, I got somehow got involved in the pre-release tickets for the uh, Brian Wilson Pet Sounds uh, show, so I was like front row. Brian w- Al Jardine was there. It was like it was like a Beach Boys reunion, plus Brian Wilson finally out of the studio. It was amazing. Okay, so I can't even follow that. <laughs> yes. So I should have started then. Yeah. Um, to this date, probably my my most uh, incredible performance I've seen live. I I've seen them two or three times, and the fact the the best performance I've seen them is uh, it's Incubus. Brandon Boyd has like his vocals. I don't know what it is, but it's like a sound wave. It's even more powerful than all the music, and I don't think he means to do it, but man. We saw him, we saw them in this, it was a college show. It was a, it might have been in like an MTV thing. We, we were at University of Central Florida in Orlando when I was living there. And they were playing with uh, Taproot, which that wasn't, that, that was Taproot. Tap they, were, they were tight back in the day. Um, but then it was Incubus and then we left and then it was Deftones. But it was the smallest thing, I mean, like... 
you could see sweat on like each, like you could see each drop of sweat. We are probably 15 feet from the stage. Like it was incredible. And like to see Incubus performing probably to this day, my favorite album of all time would make yourself, which is an amazing album, just basically front to back. I mean, they played some stuff off science and stuff like that, but it was an amazing performance. Brandon Boyd's voice is great. I mean, he was one of those guys who also had to, you know, he became a singer of a rock band, like, before there were all of those, like, tools to, like, make you sound like you had it if you didn't have it. And, yeah, he just has a great voice. Um, so I'm going to answer this in a million different ways. Um, favorite show that I've ever been to Um probably like I drove down to Austin a couple times to see recover live in Austin back in like the heyday before they released their like major label album. And they just went off so hard. Um, the crowd was nuts. Uh, and they were just playing my favorite music and playing it so well and just so energized. And, um, those were two of the most special shows I've ever seen terms of like more recent stuff that I think maybe where it was just like actually maybe like a better like musical performance I saw War on Drugs inside oh. Emo's Inside once and like it was the last show I saw at Emo's Inside before they closed it and that was just incredible um, I saw Father John Misty on the uh, I Love You Honey Bear tour was that the, what the album was called? I think so. Um, so. And man, it was at Stubbs outside where like bands are kind of notoriously a little lackluster there. And it was just, just the most powerful. I think he has like the star power and like songwriting capacities on a level that not many people these days do. I think he's like an old school, true, like rock star kind of vibe. Um, I feel like there's one more I was going to mention, but how about from think. from one of the tours you've been on? Like, what was what what was like your fun like your favorite tour you've ever been a part of? Gosh, it's almost like it would do an injustice to any of the tours that I've been on not to like just mention them all. But we got to tour with Code Seven. It was an Amberlin Seosin co-headlining tour. Whew with acceptance and code seven and us as you know the opening slot and code seven was just incredible they were like the band's band we were all just watching code seven like you know jaw dropped every night uh their singer's voice jeff he was one of the coolest people i've ever met in my life and um had one of the greatest voices was just a complete like weird dude in the most charming you know valuable way um but that tour, I mean, like watching, you know, playing our set, loading our stuff off stage, watching Code 7 play, then watching Acceptance play, then watching like Seosin or Amberlin play, then the other. Um, that was that was a really cool tour because those were all bands that we just loved and thought were incredible at what they were doing and turned out to be just a group of the nicest guys you could imagine meeting and driving around the country with as well. And that tour had a pretty big, uh, we got to, we like were late showing up to a show in Salt Lake City and we drive up and we kind of see people like scatter and like hiding behind things. And we're like, what is going on here? We open our van doors to get out and start like frantically loading in. And 
just start getting assaulted by airsoft pellets <laughs> and all of the guys had gone to Dick's Sporting Goods and uh and Seosin acceptance and I think Amberlin and bought these like semi-automatic or like fully automatic I don't remember how they fired I think they were fully automatic like airsoft guns and it just began this war we went and like loaded up on ammunition and guns and it was just a fight everywhere we went and it was such a blast like tension in the Middle East, slowly building until it crescendos <laughs> into a hell of plastic. I actually just realized uh, I had another good uh, show moment myself. This happened last summer, I think. It was the last summer, probably last summer. Time's a fickle beast for me. Um, it, either way, it was uh, it was at South by Southwest um, in Austin. I was at Zilker Park. There was like a free show. There it was going to be Wolf Mother and Coheed and Cambria. Big storm brewing, but hadn't rained all day, right? Wolf Mother comes on. They play. Uh, they play Woman first. You know, to be expected. It's a. It's a pretty good opener, and then. Uh, then it starts to thunder really loud. Right at the back half of Woman, and they're 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 troopers. They're gonna keep playing, right? Uh, right as they start Joker and the Thief, that that whole uh, awesome situation there. Lightning is just ripping through the sky, and because of where they're they're up on the stage, it looks like it's their backdrop. And just out of serendipity or the fact that, you know, music is reality in a lot of ways, like with string theory and all that crap, at least that's how I'm putting it. The lightning and the music was was starting to get really synced up because the lightning was happening just as fast. And, you know, like, it was nuts. And right as the last note played, it started coming down. The wind was blowing. It was like a tornado was coming in. They were evacuating everyone from the park. It was awesome. That sounds incredible. It's like all nature and the earth is like their production yeah. for the night. Like you couldn't have. How do you it book better. that? Yeah, yeah. You, you definitely, you definitely look want the, the forecast. You look into that <laughs> one, man. You look into that one. I don't yeah. know why that made me think of it, but another amazing performance I had a chance to see, and you're definitely gonna want to jump on it because there's, I guess, rumors that uh, he's only gonna put out one more album. But if you ever have a chance to see Childish Gambino, mm-hmm. I don't know how much rap you dabble in anymore, but Donald Glover. He's always been a fan favorite of our show. Oh yes, and I've, I've, that's the only rap concert I've ever been to live, and he puts on one hell of a show. Awaken my love. And he said something oh affected. There's only one more Gambino album coming out. I don't know if he's going to switch personas or whatnot, but I mean, even if you listen to the new album, he he almost went full Prince. Like oh. to me, that reminds me like of a Prince vibe. Yeah, it had it was like Prince, a little Sam Cooke thrown in. It was great. He's a really talented dude. I've never, I've never been into any of his stuff but i would be down to check it out because i i do hear enough to know that there's something there and i'm I'm gonna sneak one last one last mega show experience in do it. Uh, uh one south by southwest you reminded me with your talk about the wolf mother show um it was one of the unofficial events at Stubbs outside and i can't remember who maybe they were the main headliner i don't think they were but the Walkman played and I've seen the Walkman play a few times, but it was like they were, they weren't in the middle of a tour. They were fresh and Hamilton Lighthouser. I don't know if I said that correctly. Um, one of the best voices in rock music, I would say of our era. Um, it was like, he was truly like fresh. Like he had had like a really good off season time to like recover and like, like an athlete who, was just fresh and ready to perform no injuries or anything and 
he was killed i mean they were so powerful and he was if if you listen to the walkman you can you'll hear you know there's some serious range and ability in his voice but he was doing things that like you've never even like heard on one of their records and if there are any like live videos of that on youtube um it was like Stubbs backyard it must have been like 2014 or 13 i, I don't know um but that was truly one of the most impressive just monster performances i've ever seen they're a great band to begin with i don't think they ever put on a bad show but it was kind of transcendent where I walked away being like, what do you do with music other than that? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's inspiring and soul crushing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Where do I go from here? The best day of my life or if I like hate myself. <laughs> so in a perfect world, in a perfect scenario, musically, how would you like the rest of 2017 to go for Travis Bryant musically? I think I'd like to release, start releasing music here within the next month and um, hopefully at least like shape things into at least, you know, get like five, four or five songs to, to kind of comprise like an EP release where there's something to like, like a semi-cohesive piece of music to push around under a name. I don't know if that would be under my name or something else. I've kind of tinkered with um, the Depressors or Travis Bryant and the Depressors, which I think is uh, maybe like ironic because I'm doing all of this myself. And you know, what are the Depressors? But maybe it's just like the the factors that inspire me to make music. Um, I'd like to just make sure I put music out. You know, my goal was like I need to make another release before I'm 30, and now I'm 31. And I have all this stuff really, really close. Um, and I think I maybe just need to, you know, be a be a good parent and let the kid go out into the world and, like, find out what it is. Um, so hopefully that. Playing a live show would be cool, but I don't love performing live as much. I think performing live was really fun when I was in, like, hardcore bands. But doing it... Um, it's always kind of stressful for me and like more stressful and less enjoyable than um, just being in the studio with myself and you know, creating and writing and you know, bringing stuff out of the dust, I guess. Cool. So if they're already practicing Wiccans listening and you have any rituals to help this along, uh, <laughs> we would love your support. Um, Not opposed to witchcraft. Yeah. little little wizardry. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that's a, I think, I think we'd love to see that for you and, and more, um, and any way we can facilitate, uh, we are more than happy to, I will speak for Frank on this one. You, you're taking the words out of my mouth. We'll, we'll absolutely promote anything you've got going on. What's the, uh, what's the best way aside from our words of mouth for people to find out exactly what you are up to, or is that not um, set up yet? Maybe. I made a Bandcamp account and I haven't located or haven't uploaded anything yet. I think um, so. I'm not even sure what the link is. Maybe it's Travis Bryant and the Depressors, or maybe it's the Depressors, or I don't know what it is. It may not even be active yet. But um, I guess just following me on social media because I'll definitely be promoting it there at least a little bit when 
I do do stuff like I posted a, a little clip video of song I've been working on on Instagram. I think my Instagram's public, so you don't have to actually follow me if you don't want to see Sherman, my little chihuahua mixed dog, over and over again day after day. I assure uh, you, you do want to see that. The dog is quite the charmer. He's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, social media. Uh, Instagram is Travis Bryant. And, um, or like just add me on Facebook or something and I'll, you know, I'll definitely clue people in whoever's like looking for that when that time comes. Be sure to take a look. Be sure to keep your, uh, ear to the ground, man. I can't wait. Or just keep listening to, uh, Frank and Thomas and they're not gonna, Hey, wait, Frank Thomas. That was my favorite baseball player back in the day. The That's big okay. hurt. That's okay. You know, uh, it's funny <laughs> cause how we even met to start. Because originally, Raw Feed Radio originally started with uh, me and my buddy Pete. We were messing around, just broadcasting, like webcasting music. Pete, by um, the way, who we did not put in the, in the intro theme song. song. He yeah. did not get, did not make it into the theme song. Flew all but the he way was, here. Yeah, he flew all the way here to be part of our show. <laughs> for a show. Sorry, Pete. Anyway, so Who's it Pete? started. What's that? Who's Pete? Oh, my best friend. <laughs> anyway, so. Sorry, Pete. It, it went from me and him and then. Um, you know, we, we generated a, a little bit of a following and we, we were starting to mess around with doing band interviews and stuff like that. And then, you know, fell by the wayside. I ended up moving out here and, you know, Thomas ended up, uh, working at, uh, the, the former terrestrial station we were at. We won't name it by name, not to give it any kind of promotion. <laughs> Don't do it, Thomas. Anyway, so, <laughs> so, uh, but we, <laughs> but, but we, we met while working at Staples and, you know, I don't want to give anybody. It it just kind of when I when I told him where we were going today, he's like, "That's kind of ironic because that's where it all started." Yeah. Well, 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 full circle. Yeah. And Frank Thomas, favorite baseball player. So that's circle of life. It moves us all. Remember how cool <laughs> the uh, the Frank Thomas shoes were? Do you remember those ones I'm talking about? They're like black and white, kind of stripe. Like it's kind of like a a ripple out. Probably. We'll have to we'll have to look up Google the big it. hurt. We'll have to Google the big hurts. I'm pretty sure that's what they were called. He did get inducted recently. Uh, very, White Sox very fan is a Frank Thomas fan. I'm not a huge sports fan, so maybe just a Frank Thomas, Kevin Garnett, and Terrell Davis fan. That's fair. I'm not into sports either, but I, I'm I'm a really big fan of you, Darvish, because he has blonde hair. And it just seems so out of place, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. So I'm just like, dude. You know he's a Dodger now, right? Yeah, which is like heresy for you, I imagine. I don't care. I don't mind the Dodgers. Oh, wait, yeah, it's the Yankees. See, this is how yeah, unconnected I am to sports. In fact, the only sport I'm really like into is like professional Magic the Gathering, which is so you cannot tell a sports fan that you're like, I like sports, uh, pro Magic, pro, pro Overwatch, you know, the Overwatch League. You're a gamer. You're an analog gamer. Yeah. The, I, I, the truest I, kind of gamer. Every now and again. I, I love a good board game and, you know, the, the occasional card game, specifically Magic. I, ha- I had some friends, um, friend Dan, who uh, was Play Radio Play and then Analog Rebellion. He was a big Magic fan oh. or Magic player. And then his friend, I think, Lewis from the Secret Handshake and now Mystery Skulls. All good music. If you Great don't bands. know of any of those, check all of them out. Oh, Such definitely. good content. Texas to, um, is an amazing. I think they were album. into magic together, and I was like, I don't get it, but I think it's cool that you guys do that. 
that is the consensus to most people who like don't play magic and aren't assholes. Like usually there's a guy's like oh, that's nerd shit, but uh, you know if you don't yeah, play magic, why are you gonna call me out as an I'm, asshole? I'm glad. You, well, you you don't make fun of me for it, but you're no. like yeah, it's cool that you like that. And that's I mean, and that's like, the best response. It's like being a dude and like peeing sitting down. I don't mind. <laughs> uh, I'm actually a big proponent of peeing sitting down. <laughs> it's it's good. It's good collective time. Like just like gather yourself. Yeah, it's like your breather. Your it's like you come out of the game and you sit on the bench for a second. Like get a uh, get a towel, get yourself together. Like reestablish the game I think I'm going to mess plan. with the people at work. I think I'm going to start going, like, if I end up ever using their toilets in there, which are they're clean. I just, I like privacy. So yeah. Public, eh. I think I'm going to start sitting in there backwards just to freak people out. So they see the feet <laughs> facing the wall. Just to see what they do. Just let them think about it. Let them, let them ask questions. you got a place to put your comic books and your, you know, your phone. <laughs> you should just uh, do that. And then when someone walks in, be like, we can talk about this if you'd like. <laughs> I'm starting a new game show. Would you like to be a part of it? Ask me anything. Treat it like a meeting. Come, have a seat. Let's get started. You're late to the meeting. Oh, wow. I don't know how to end it from this point. I don't know. Pissing backwards, sitting down is pretty much the, the we've pinnacle. Covered the, we've covered everything from hot sauce to pissing backwards to uh, Magic the Gathering and music. No yeah. stones unturned. We, we missed we've anything done there. <laughs> Goes back to cross-stitch. Yeah. Back, to, back to cross stitch, <laughs> CrossFit. Oh. Uh, okay. Anyways, uh, be sure to keep an eye on uh, all that social media for Travis Bryant. His new material. I know. He like said, "I know there's a hunger for it." I've personally seen people asking about it, and they've asked us in the past too. So, like I said, keep an ear out for it. Uh, I guarantee, from what I've heard, we will not be disappointed when it does make its way out. So, patience is a virtue. And keep an ear out, an ear out for uh, Raw Feed Radio. We took a what? We take a month off. Uh, yeah, we all work. Yeah, I, I was switching a job, jobs, so, so yeah. Sam, be... And Sammy's not here. We wanted Sammy to be here, but he had to work. Yeah, so uh, we, we will anytime we have the chance or have an opportunity to talk about something you cast would want to hear about. It's gonna happen. So you know, just keep and an Travis, eye out. You're you're more than welcome anytime we go to record. Anytime you want to hang out. You know, we can talk anything. You've seen the gamut we've we can cover, so <laughs> I like it. I'm into it. I I listen to podcasts more than music these days, so um, I would I'd love to love to be a part of it. Awesome! I, I love that you guys are doing it. This doesn't even need to be on the recording. Last podcast on the left. Have you experienced it? Into it, sort of. Um, I like the content. I listen to like a ton of like serial killer. I might as well just give this to you. I'm, I listen to a ton of serial killer, true crime. Uh, kind of stuff they're a little um what overboard for me you know yeah, like, they're, they're, you can you can totally sticky. see yeah. yeah they're they're sticky they're wild they're like crude um maybe it pushes pushes a boundary for me but i've definitely listened to some because i like it like i think i listened to their richard ramirez one. Oh yeah uh, so I got to get on board with this, I guess. Yeah, because they're really funny. For me, I like them because they're funny. I need to be. So even though we're doing podcasting now, I don't think I've ever sat down and listened to a complete podcast. Dude, missing out. I'm Especially just, when you're driving. No, I'm just going to screenshot better. my whole Dude, I do, podcast I do library Jack for him because they play a bunch of 80s. <laughs> oh, yeah. You need to get on the podcast train. Uh, I will. I will. I mean, we're already, we are on it. So I guess I could say I've listened to ours. I, I will say, though, for last podcast, because I've suggested it to you before, um, 
pick one of the paranormal or conspiracy episodes. If you go right into one of the more intense uh, serial killer ones, like I just listened to the Albert Fish trilogy, and I'm I'm just my heart is heavy. And I they're I think they're crude and and over the over the top because that content alone is just dark. You have to kind of break it up. You have to like, you have to approach that with some sense of humor, maybe to not just be terrified and depressed. Oh, it'll weigh on you. So then, in between, you can listen to our show. Yeah, there you go. Break up the monotony. We'll laugh and talk about salsa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, enough of, uh, Cave Comedy Radio does not need our promotion. They are amazing on their own. Um, yeah. I think we're good. Yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Thank you for listening. All right, and now coming up is a uh, exclusive live performance, acoustically, of the song Dark from the band Terminal, as performed by Travis Bryant. Amazing song, amazing song.
And uh, because we are spoiled babies and each want our own uh, special performance, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna lead into uh, a Vespertine Haunting by the delightful band Alive in Wild Paint, also performed by <laughs> Travis Bryant. This is a premiere listen to a rough mix of a new song titled Porch Dogs in the Rain.
you